0: Welcome to a special episode of Amatime Podcast. I'm your usual host, Henry Miller, and today I'm lucky enough to have the opportunity to interview the head of the background and art team, Edward Murdoch. Now today, uh, this special episode, we're going to be discussing the new Silver Elf Army book, which is out tomorrow on the 17th of May. Um, so this is a very exciting opportunity for me because I'm a Silver Elf player. Um, and we're going to be discussing a few of the background stories and some of the artwork in the new book and I'm going to try and get some inference into the new world of the ninth age to ask Edward some tough questions to see how much information I can get out of him for the new background. So stay tuned, listen in and enjoy the show. I'm here today with Edward Murdoch on the forums, that you can find him at Scottish Night. Yep, that's right. And Edward, you are um, the head of the background and arts team.
1: Yeah, that's right. For about uh, two months now since uh, Pip Hamilton, who used to lead up the team, had to step down for a work commitment, so uh, yeah, the last two months that's been my, my role.
0: Fantastic, and so maybe you could just uh, tell us a little bit about what the background and art team do and what is your role as the head of this magical group of people? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, so the background and art team
1: is responsible for coming up with the official uh, fluff and artwork that goes with each of the 16 factions that we have in Ninth Age Um, we're also developing a sort of overall world view uh, to give players the grounding uh, to be able to play their armies not just as uh, a basic rule set, but also to give them an identity uh, and and give them a a flavour of what their
0: army is in this world that we've created. Yeah, and I think that's Uh, really important for um, the the rules going forward and the game going forward, because if we can get um, people in invested in the storyline, then it makes the games more cinematic, and that's exactly what we're here today to talk about so um perhaps you would like to make the announcement maybe what 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 we're going to talk about today
1: yeah, so uh today we are talking about the Sylvan elf uh, Army book, which will be released uh tomorrow uh, when this video comes out um, and hopefully it will be. A really interesting experience, not just for Sylvan Elf players. Although I feel, hope that they will enjoy it first and foremost, but also for other players who are looking to get more of a feel of how the Ninth Age world sits and, and to just experience hopefully an interesting story uh, for one of those factions.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So um, let's just firstly we've 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 heard about what you do on the background and arts team. But maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, do you play Silver Elves yourself? Or what armies do you play? Or what armies are you interested in?
1: Uh, I don't play Silver Elves. I did the very first um, models that I collected when I uh, started playing Warhammer back when, come oh, sometime in the 90s, um, <laughs> were, were Wood Elves, actually. Okay. Um, so they, they were certainly an early uh, interest of mine. I then went on to playing orcs and goblins um, and have endless hordes of greenskins, although, to be honest, quite a lot of them are (laughs) greyskins.
0: Yeah, we we Um, all have that problem.
1: (laughs) And then um, in the last sort of five or six years, I've started collecting uh, what are now Equitaine, Kingdom of Equitaine, so obviously my uh, screen name on Ninth Age Forms is a bit of a... A a giveaway there. Um, but yeah, so I, I, that's my my current um, modeling project.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, um, how many people were actually involved in, in writing this book that we're going to talk about? And and you said you told me that you were you were responsible for writing certain parts of it.
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, we had a, a lead writer. So each book will have a, a different lead writer, and there'll be someone who is interested in the faction and has a particular connection with that. Um, so we had the lead writer who, who wrote a lot of the material, and then all of our other writers also contributed some work towards it. So um, I did two of, the, uh, two of the main stories, plus um, the, the pieces about the gods, one of the poems, which was uh, released last week, um, and a few other bits and pieces. Um, so in total, we had about uh, six writers, uh, about the same number of artists, and also our review team who who pulled the book together and actually turned it into the finished product um, that we'll be seeing tomorrow.
0: So how long long do these books actually take? Because it seems like there's a lot of people involved and a big process around it.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a very involved process. So generally the books take somewhere in the region of about three months uh, to put together. Um, A lot of that time comes down to giving the artists enough time to properly um, develop their works and, and put those onto paper or on screen um, also by the time we've uh, done an initial write of the stories we then have to edit them together we then have to proofread them we have to pull in the rules uh, so yeah as much as we would we would love to be able to put out an army book every month but uh, obviously we want to spend as much time as it takes to get a, a finished quality product
0: and I must say I'm um, I've I've obviously had a look at this book, um, being a privileged uh, content team member, and uh, I'm I am really impressed with the quality. I think it's it is fantastic, and and we're going to show a few pictures today from the book, some uh, some screenshots that I've taken, and we're going to talk about that. So today we're going to I'd like to talk about. Uh, there's going to be four sections to this kind of interview. We've had the first introductory section. We're also going to talk. A little bit about the character of the Silver Elves, like how how they're designed to be in the story in the new edition, and also um, the this actual storyline that we're going to talk about some of the elements that are in the new Silver Elf book, and we're going to maybe discuss if we're allowed to (laughs) um, some of the elements that come up in the story at least I found interesting. And finally, we're just going to talk a bit in general about how th- how this book and what we can see in this book and the rest of the world. So I think we'll just we'll dive right in. Um, so my first question is: is the the new Silvernells that? How do you say this? We it says it's called Trui, I think.
1: Yeah, and that's how I would pronounce it.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I when I, it, when I when I read it, I
1: was like, is it tree treeui?
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: one of my colleagues actually <laughs> thought it was Trevi, trevi. Um, so I, I did put in a question to our linguistics expert. I haven't heard back yet, but I think it will be Trevi. Trevi, yeah,
0: um, it's, it's okay. Yeah. I just thought when it was like Trui, I was like,
1: <laughs> Trevi?
0: I don't think it's do <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so Trevi. is the new is the new name for the the cultural name, I guess, for the the silver elves. And, yeah, um, and, and
1: each of uh, something that I think is is really um, fascinating about the work that was started um, quite a long time ago and is, has been building up is the the level of linguistic um, independence and, and unique uh, languages that that are being put together for each of the sixteen factions um, so they shouldn't feel like just generic fantasy they should feel like they have a real grounding in the world and that they've developed and that's something that um, with the Sylvan Elves, there are a few sort of hints to it during the book that uh, they have their own unique language, and um, we could we you know we could put together quite a lot of concepts based on the language that we already have for them. Yeah,
0: that's that's really interesting actually, because um, actually the first question that I wanted to ask you really about the book was um, what identity do the the new Sylvan Elves have? Because in in fantasy, there's so many different woodland elf identities like you have the Tolkien kind of fairy wood elves that like kind of sit in the woods and they feast all day and then the kind of the fluff that we're used to with Ariel and Orion and and also maybe some kind of like general elven um, themes which is like noble and aristocratic like we also have this kind of like druids, wild nature kind of thing. Like where where do the ninth age Silver Elves fit into this kind of box of woodland elves?
1: Yeah, so I think um, I think all the various woodland elf interpretations, they're all roughly on a lot of the same themes or, or they deal with a lot of the same issues. And it's really the individual portrayals that I think um, give you the, the unique character. So um, yeah, Tolkien had a had a more uh, benevolent, I suppose, view of them. Um, and I think one of the um, one of the topics that was uh, discussed around Sylvan elves in, in ninth age is the, the sort of fae um, background, this this sort of capriciousness, this unknowable nature uh, of what elves are. Uh, and I think that Sylvan elves in particular are the most uh, obvious vehicle for that, that sort of mysticism that uh, humans would attach to it. You know, highborn elves, obviously, are, are they go out of their way to be seen. Um, dread elves want to be known, they want to be feared. Um, and so you have Sylvan elves as this counterpoint to those two, uh, taking a more uh, secretive, a more, um, you know, hidden approach to their life. Uh, and so we wanted to give the impression that there is a lot going on that doesn't necessarily get explained or doesn't necessarily um, follow human logic. Uh, so that's that's really the I think that's taking the the sort of interpretations that have gone before, but bringing in more uh, fey and more pagan um, aspects to to flesh out their um, their cultural view.
0: Okay, I think uh, what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to show uh, the first picture, and I think you can sh- you should be able to see it on the screen share now. So this is uh, one of the art- pieces of artwork from the new Elf uh, Silver Elf book, and this is this is one that I really liked. I thought it was quite Tolkien-y in a way, with the dragon and the mountains and um, just the kind of the lone figure on the tree. And I think this is quite indicative of how the, the at least the the kind of the theme and the feel that I got from the Silver Elves, like like you say, kind of hidden or watching, and uh, and and also with the the dragon kind of brings in the the old fantasy element of it. And this is this was just one of the ones that I highlighted from the book that I really liked, um, just a small piece of artwork. I don't know if you want to comment on this picture and on anything or.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, this, this was a picture that was um, come up with as, you know, a lot of the individual units have their own pictures, so um, there are specific artworks for each of those, and this is a more uh, general take on some of the, the Sylvan Elf storyline and turning that into a piece of artwork. So I, I, I agree, I think this is a beautiful bit of artwork, and also what this makes me think, because I'm primarily a writer, as opposed well, to an artist, but this makes me think of, uh, the story arcs that could come from just a, a glimpse into the Sylvan Elf world like this. Mm. Um, the idea of you know this, uh, the idea of forest dragons, which is already quite an interesting concept. They're a bit of a they're a bit of a mixed um, a mixed bag really. You know, fire within a woodland realm, not usually something that you would um, that you would seek out or you would ally with. But dragons bring this uh, high fantasy. Aspects to the Silver Elves. so I just, I love the idea of thinking about what a, what a dragon would bring into the Silver Elf world.
0: Yeah, I think obviously I don't know if you follow any of our um, podcasts at all, but <laughs> you, if you do, then you know that I'm an avid dragon user, and so that's obviously something that's close to my heart. So um, I think what I'd like to discuss now is um, actually the the map of the of the Silver Elves' realm. So here you can see the map from the the Silver Elf book. Now, wh- where is this kingdom in in the world? Like, where does it lie?
1: Yeah. So I don't want to necessarily give away everything about um, the world map because the world map will will come out with the, the full rule book. Um, but I can say this is definitely in the heart of our sort of Western Europe um, setting. Um, and
0: okay, now, now, some, you, now, maybe you're giving too much away. Is it, is it going to be set in Western Europe, or
1: the, not the entire game? Um, but the the Sylvan Elf aspect, the Silver Elf heartland, if you like, will definitely be um, part of the, the Western Europe um, area.
0: Okay, and so this is obviously the the main kingdom of the Sylvan Elves, like where maybe let's just say where they come from. Um, is there going to be other silver elf communities or other forests where they live around Europe, or is it just going to be all in one place? How does it, how's so, it going to work in that respect? So,
1: yeah, so definitely, I mean, this is something that with every um, every one of our sixteen factions, we don't want to have them geographically pinned down to just one place. We don't want to have um, your possibilities, your your kind of. Um, scope to whole battles, limited by what the geographic setting of the st- of the story is. So, with each of our factions, um, we've envisaged how they might find homes in other areas in the world. So, if you want to play uh, a Sylvan Elf army that is are desert dwellers and they protect small oases in the desert, um, or you want to imagine your Sylvan Elves being based in uh, thick jungle territory. You know, even anything like that, um, we want to leave people with the freedom to imagine how they could uh, take the Sylvan Elf archetypes and the, and the framework and apply it to all sorts of interesting situations in the world.
0: Okay, and uh, the, these these um, towns that you can see around the the forest, we have Gascon, Coranta, Ashau uh, these are kind of named towns. Are these um, Kingdom of Equitaine towns? At least from the the story that you get in the book, you would think so.
1: Yes, and and Kurante particularly is mentioned in the in the stories. Um, they, some of them are Equitain, uh some of them are Sun-style. Um The yeah, the, 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 there's a there's an element of both in the map. Um, but, uh,
0: so, so could you could you maybe say that that the Elven Kingdom uh, borders the two realms?
1: Yes, you, yeah, it would definitely be easy to say that it borders on the two uh, primary human realms.
0: Okay, fantastic. At
1: least primary in the sense of um, the ones that we have armies for. There are a lot of other human um, human nations and human realms in
0: the in the Ninth Age setting, which um, there'll be more details about them to come. Fantastic. Um, one question I do have, we have um in the story, uh, the the kingdom itself is isn't referred to as I wanna say Wiscan. Yes. And and also we have in the in the army list um an item which is called the bow of Wiscan. So is is this the is this the like the elvish name for the forest or is this the human name for the forest or it's actually spelled differently in both cases, so is that one and the same?
1: Yes, um, so there's a, there's a, again, this is part of our linguistic um, development, so uh, we took the idea that the elves themselves would have a name for the forest and that some of that, some of that information would, would find its way into human uh, ways of thinking. Obviously, they wouldn't necessarily know how to spell those same words, but um, we wanted to give that sort of connection between the two cultures.
0: Okay, and how do you come up with these these uh... like interesting names like uh... <laughs> Trui and Wiscan and... and I don't know how you pronounce this one in the middle, maybe you can pronounce it for us. The... Uh, Yishwishthai or something. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, ishwithal I think. Yishwifal, um, that's quite cool. I, I, yeah, I, I cannot take any credit for naming. It's probably the single area that I dread most is trying to come up with names for things. Um, but fortunately, we, we have a really great complementary set of skills uh, on the background and art team. And one of them is, as I've mentioned, our linguistics expert who, um, to be honest, if he doesn't write PhD about the ninth age, uh, <laughs> he's doing himself a disservice because he's done a huge amount of work to, um, to come up with individual uh, place names and, and following on from themes um, that he has set out. to. So uh, the languages evolve as well. There are old forms of names which become modern, and it's, uh, it's really a fascinating sort of bit of work.
0: So just uh, following on from that as well, um, if, if you, you can see this map, I think, and so can the viewers. So um, I, I, I count two, two named kind of tree places in this uh, realm of Whiskan. We have the Ushwish, Ushwithal and the Ganam, Ganar, Ganl, Ganam, Ganamli. Uh, yes, I think yeah. so. Yeah, could you maybe just explain if these are like relevant places or what happens at these places? I mean, in the old fluff, we had these uh, kind of tree halls or something like that where the the main characters lived. And um, in the story, we we hear about this uh, giant willow that the character is is captured in. Oh, we're not going to say any more than that. But sure, sure. this this little picture here to me looks like a giant willow. So maybe you could just um, comment on, tell us a little bit about these two places.
1: Yeah. So so the Ishwathal, um, it it, yeah, it definitely features in the story. Um, I'm not sure that Ganamli does, uh, but really, I mean some of the some of the locations which are shown, uh, like the the bridge as well over the over the river. Um, which is further up and doesn't have a specific name, but these are these are sort of um, just to give a bit of flavour as to what exists in the woodland realm, um, and Ishwithal is is sort of the heart of much of this um, story that we've told. But again, what we don't want to do is we don't want to set out just one location or one place that everything is centred from. Um, this. We, we want to leave as much scope as possible for players to populate the world with their own stories. So if someone wants to uh, describe a uh, grove in the north of Wisconsin and wants to set their story there, we would love to see that and we'd love to, to read about it. Um, so these are these are locations which are central to the story that we're telling, but they're not necessarily central to every story that will come from the Sylvan Elves.
0: Okay. So um, I think the the big elephant in the room for me at least is the is the issue of the forest king now um we hear a little bit about the forest king constantly actually throughout the throughout the story that's told in the new book um maybe you could tell us something about the forest king because he's described in the in the book as having these kind of emerald eyes and and maybe he's a god or like who who is the forest king could you just maybe like explain that a little bit
1: um, yeah, so the Forest King is uh, is a being who lives within or or is certainly seen within Miscan. Um His relationship to the Elven uh, pantheon of gods is not uh, straightforward, and that's deliberate. We wanted to to leave that air of mysticism about him and about his role, um, but he is most definitely the leader of the Wild Hunt, and uh, that's something. Which, um might feature in the book. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he, he he fulfills this kind of Kerninos like um pagan role of this this wild um leader of this uh primal hunt um, which which is a great part of um those kind of pagan traditions and I think that that fits nicely into what we were trying to do with the silver elves.
0: Yeah, I think, if, if you mind, I'm just going to read out um, a little quote that I wrote down. So, Cadaron, yeah. uh, the Forest King, leader of the Wild Hunt, an avatar of the Hunter, or perhaps the god himself, clothed in flesh. He rules the forest aside his queen, Amaril, and from the Union sprang forth the twins Sura, bringer of spring, and Seema, the winter princess. So, um, here it seems that the, the king also has a queen, so uh, we don't hear much about the queen in this in the in the book. So perhaps you could, maybe just tell us a little bit about who the queen is and and what she represents in the silver Elf elf um, background.
1: Yeah. So the the king and queen, um, they are bringing that, that sort of uh, royalty, that that noble um, line to the silver elves. Uh, they also, both of them have a connection to the Elven Pantheon. Um, and the, the sections of the Sylvan Elf book, which go into detail about the gods, do give a bit of information about um, the, the different, uh, the different characters who, who sort of feature in that um, that grouping. So the, the queen, the forest queen um, is largely within, Our world, which we call the mortal realm, um, but she also spends time in the immortal realm, Um, and so that's um, that's a distinction that we're making with the the gods um, and our divine or demonic uh, entities, and drawing a distinction between the mortal realm and the immortal realm.
0: Okay, so the 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 king and queen are kind of godlike figures that. Are both able to transverse these two realms, yes, something like that <laughs> yes. so um in in the epilogue of the of the book we there's a I'm not we're not going we're not going to spoil too much of the story, but it seemed to me that the the forest king was reborn somehow, or at least he maybe he appeared or he was I I wasn't even sure if he kind of got transformed by the elven lord that was in the story. He the elven lord transformed into the forest king. Like, maybe you could just kind of explain it a little bit because I wasn't sure <laughs> wh- whether yeah. he, he's being reborn or like in the old fluff or is he just like a constant uh, a constant thing?
1: He he's definitely constant in terms in sense of always um, always existing and always being part of of an elf world but what we we wanted to get was this um sense of occasion the, the sort of pagan sense of festivals and special times of the year um and so there was there's a definite sense of importance to the actions that happen at the end of the book uh and that that ties into the forest king and his appearance at the end of the book so um it is it's intended to be a, a time of ritual significance um, and and bringing about the Forest King's visit, but beyond that, again, this is part of the creating a mystical um, sense of the Sylvan Elves, that there are rituals that have purposes that don't uh, follow human logic, and they don't necessarily lead just one to the next, but they obviously mean something to the Sylvan Elves, and they obviously have significance to them.
0: Okay, because also, um... In, in the in the story, the the forest lord that is present in the story, he's described as a bringer, and I wasn't really quite sure what that meant. And I I I was kind of connected that he kind of brought about the forest king in the in the epilogue at the end. Maybe maybe you could explain that, or Jeez, or is that or is that asking too much of you?
1: <laughs> I think that's one that um, there are. I, what I will say is there are definitely. Clues in the book that will give you more information about the forest lord and about his connection to the the circumstance, the, the sort of characters that we name in the book. So um, I don't want to give it all away. Um, I, lo- I think people will enjoy reading around that, um, but there's there's definitely material in the book.
0: Yeah, I, I only I've only read it through twice, so. Um... I, maybe I missed a few things. Um, is is this storyline? Is it going to evolve? Is there going to be progress for the characters? Or I mean, we we only heard about a very few characters, and you kind of got a little bit about each unit. But is is there going to be like a, like a red thread storyline that kind of ties all the books together, or that progresses as as the story evolves, as the ninth ninth age evolves?
1: Yeah. So so the only books are. They're not sort of telling one grand story, or they're not sort of telling an individual um, series of stories. These are sort of one experience of the Sylvan Elf world or the Undying Dynasties world. Um, so when it comes to uh, an ongoing story, um, what we hope is that these these characters will, as often as possible, will recur and they'll feature in other books and they'll come um, they'll come about. Uh, in different ways and bring different views when it comes to sylvan Elves characters what we've done initially is just set them up we've just explained who the or, or given a bit of flavor as to who the characters are or what they do um, when it, when we have the chance and when we have the opportunity to do more works beyond just the army books and that's hopefully something that will come about in the future um, there will definitely be an opportunity to see those characters uh, develop or new characters to come about, so uh, if we get a chance to do campaigns, for example, there will be a chance to see a bit more detail about that, um, and the more time we have, the more uh, material we'll be able to produce, and hopefully we can bring um, more detail in about the characters that we've introduced.
0: Yeah, because there's, there's actually no special characters in the book. I'm not sure if I was uh, I'm not sure if I was happy or sad about that because the, the special characters in the game are kind of usually oh they're really good or they're really bad. But is there going to be any special characters in the future? You mentioned maybe in a campaign or something.
1: Yeah, so legendary characters, which I think is how we've described them, um, they'll definitely happen, but I don't know exactly when that will happen. Um, part of the difficulty there is that we need to work with the rules team in terms of. Producing special characters that are actually balanced and, and bring something as well. Because I found my problem with many of the special characters um, of old was they were just a, a a lot of numbers. They were just higher numbers than some of the other characters. And the, the special characters that I found interesting were the ones who made something new or changed the character or you know brought something different. Mm. Um, so it's something that I would definitely like to see, and it's something that we're looking at. But um, until I think until version 1.0 was out, it was very difficult to imagine oh, really? how we would be able to have the time to devote to that. I'm hopeful that within the next year, we might be able to start at least considering how we can bring in special characters.
0: Okay, and and it, let's hypothetically say that, that you, can, you have the ability to bring these special characters in, you're allowed to. Um, how much influence do you have over the rules of these characters? Like, for example, I don't know, maybe... You have a character who is really good at fighting. I mean, it couldn't. Can you? Do you have influence over the rules? Can you say, oh, he needs more attacks, or whatever?
1: Um, it's very, it's highly theoretical at the <laughs> moment because we haven't actually engaged in that. But um, I would hope that we would be able to come up with a background for a character. Um, that the rules team would then implement, okay. uh, or certainly we would work together to work out what types of characters would help um, with the faction and would make that faction more interesting and more exciting. Um, so I think it'll be quite a collaborative process when we do get around to doing that.
0: And, and in the same way, um, if for example maybe you're going to write some rules for a new unit, um, could you could you maybe like say, okay, rules team, we've come up with this idea for a new unit. I'd like to implement this into the game. I mean, would you have, do you have kind of influence over that kind of thing as well? Or is it more of like the rules team will say, okay, we have a new unit, can you write some fluff for it?
1: Um, well, at the moment, obviously... Uh, oh, yeah,
0: right now we're kind of
1: yeah, <laughs> not able to do that. The work to, the work that, to but... date has been very much getting the game into a position where it's stable and, and people can play it and enjoy it and um, a, a good footing to build on. I think in future what we may find is that some of the ideas that we bring about in the army books or some of the ideas that we discuss um, when we're setting up the factions might feature in terms of how those armies are shaped in the future and what um, what helps to grow them so certainly when it comes to equity I think people are conscious that they have less units than almost every other
0: You can only have so many different kinds of knights, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, lots of the people on those forums are very keen to discuss what could be done, what could be brought in. Um, And if the rules team are are looking for that, then it's something that we will give every assistance to try and come up with new ideas. But it's something that we can do for every faction.
0: Okay, so uh, bringing it back to the Silver Elves now. Um, We don't really hear anything about the history or the past of the Silver Elves like we are kind of used to in old army books. before we would have like a almost a timeline from year zero to year now um maybe you could tell us something tell us something about how the sylvan elves came to be or how they came to live in the forest or was a is there a connection between the highborn elves and the dread elves and the sylvan elves or maybe maybe some kind of like how they how they interact with each other or are they friends I, i mean i don't know I don't know anything yeah. about this because there's no, there's no history at all so maybe you could t- like fill that out for the, the, for the community.
1: Yeah, I can certainly, I can certainly give a, a sort of initial glimpse because um, the purpose of our army books is not to give a top-down narration so that's where we differ from some of the army books that people will be used to um, and part of that has been not giving just one history um the same will be true the same is true of the undying dynasties also they had um because part of their um history was the actual construction of how they exist so Mm. that that was a bit that was mentioned and there's less of that in the sylvan elves because people are more familiar with elves as a concept um but the the sylvan elves um there will be more detail that comes out in the, in the main rule book, in the background companion. It'll give a bit more of the world history um, and some of the major events. Uh, our elven um, race as a whole was one of two which were uh, very successful during the uh, Golden Age. Um, and obviously, you know, with the name Ninth Age, we have to give a bit of detail as to why this is the Ninth Age and what the... What was the Eighth, it.
0: Seventh, Sixth, Fifth Ages? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So there'll, there'll be a timeline in the main rulebook that will give a bit more detail. Um, but as per uh, most Elven traditions, um, the Elves had their sort of time of ascendancy, they had their time when... They were at their peak uh, and beyond that various events happened to elves across the world which caused them to divide into the three groups that we see now um, we haven't delineated exactly how all of the elves react to each other because um, there will be different situations and there will be different environments but generally speaking um, Highborn Elves and Dread Elves is the rivalry that people expect and look for. Um, but Silver Elves have have their own um, relationship with both. And particularly in the um, the poem which was released uh, last week, there's a bit of a hint towards um, maybe a bit, of, uh, a bit of longing or a bit of loss that goes with the Highborn Elves. It's, it's not as simple as just a different culture, it's a sense of uh, maybe they're not quite the true elves that they,
0: the Sylvan elves are. Okay, so maybe maybe it's more the Sylvan elves are actually the, kind of, the original ones, rather than the Highborn elves this time around.
1: That's certainly how they would be.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, I have a, this isn't a question that we I, we wrote down before we discussed this, but was there a war of the beard?
1: <laughs> uh, you can... Not, not a war of the beard, um, but there, uh, there's certainly a major conflict between dwarves and elves um, okay. in our timeline, and that will that will hopefully become clear pretty soon.
0: Okay, um, yeah. So the next one I wanted to talk about, I want to show the the blade dancer picture that's in the book. <laughs> um, there we go. So this this is a this is a cool picture. Um, like we we hear about the blade dancers in the in the book um, a little bit. Um, we you kind of have this this kind of uh, mysterious nature to them which is I think it's really really cool way of way of doing it and um, and it's the, it also says that they're linked to the gods in some way uh, I'm not sure if this is if this is in the same way as it was in the previous fluff or if um, if this is a new angle on it because they're they're kind of really, really mysterious and and it's I think it says actually I've written it down as sacred to one or maybe all the elven gods. Um maybe you could just uh talk about like how these how these blade dancers uh fit into the society.
1: Yeah, so um well we we, we saw blade dancers they're one of the more well. For me, at least, they're, they're certainly one of the most interesting of the elven units. They take a lot of the a lot of what it sort of is to be an elf, and they take it to extremes. So they take the martial skill, they take the, the grace, they take the um, the sort of fragility of elves. Almost, you know, they don't wear armor; they wear as little as as little as possible. So there's a there's a sort of Um, sense that they're living a more um, primal, elven life. Um, And so we wanted to take that and we wanted to give it a character that made it interesting and made it um, uh, relevant to the the Sylvan Elf uh, culture. Uh, And so what we did with that was to make the Blade Dancers these um, sort of acolytes, maybe, I suppose you would say, um, you know they they fulfil some major role in terms of the religion of the Sylvan Elves, and um, performing their dances brings that part of the Sylvan Elf culture closer to them.
0: Yeah, what we what we saw in the in the book was um, each of the kind of the gatherings of the Elves was always around some kind of festival or equinox or something like that, and they're obviously really connected to the natural world. Um, but we also saw like a ritual with the Blade Dancer where they kind of pretend to kill a child in Sacrifice and this kind of element of, of uh, tr- the Trickster element, um, is is that something that was influenced by the previous fluff or is that something that you actually want to continue with in the in the Ninth Age as well?
1: Do you know, it, it wasn't actually, it wasn't devised as a trick as such. Um, Although that that is definitely how it would come across to a human um, narrator, but I think this is part of where the the external view maybe doesn't um, doesn't quite comprehend what the significance of the you know the ritual wasn't aimed at him. No. So his take on it is, you know, oh my God, I thought this was happening and suddenly it didn't happen. But to to the to the elves who were watching, this was this was just normal. Um, the normal course of things, so uh, really what what hopefully we were trying to get across with that was the um, this sort of darker side to the elven religion. It's not it's not just um, you know uh, the nice parts of nature it's all the parts of nature
0: yeah i I, th- I just found that one uh, quite an interesting interesting story as well. Um, I just want to ask you real quick. I'm I'm a Silvernell player, and these are my uh, war dancers here, my old war dancers, my blade dancers. And if you look closely, I'm pretty sure you guys have copied my conversion here <laughs> on the left. I think this one here is is exactly the same as the picture, right? Just here, and and also the the one in the main the main guy. I'm pretty sure it's exactly the same as, as this dude here. I don't know if if you've been looking at my. Uh, Conversions, or
1: <laughs> I, I, I can't speak to um, the inspiration for that particular art. Although I will note that some of the um, some of the arm positions did change as a result of um, our head of the art team um, making a few comments on what was more. Uh, physically appropriate. So they didn't they didn't start in the posi- in all the positions that they ended up in. Um, but who can say maybe your maybe your models were a source <laughs> of inspiration for the artwork.
0: Um okay I just have one quick question about these guys. Obviously they're pretty naked. Um does the Ninth Age have some kind of policy with nudity or I mean obviously obviously you're not gonna do any kind of sexual sexual artwork in, in any of your publications, but do you have any kind of um any any rules with regards to like nudity or of uh, the level or?
1: Um, it's something of an evolving discussion actually, because uh, not just for the silver elves, but also for dread elves and for uh, demon legions. There's a number of units where it may or may not be relevant to the models, um, and I haven't had the opportunity to come to a sort of definitive decision. I think it will depend on how we view the game overall, um, and I suppose particularly in terms of whether we're appealing to younger audiences. So I think there's an argument to keeping it family-friendly, um, as well as an argument to say that the the artwork uh, can be appreciated in its own right um, and potentially it shouldn't be censored. Um, so it, it's a bit of a balance, and I'm not sure where we'll end up with that one, actually.
0: Okay, that'll be interesting to follow because I'm sure some of the lust units could have some uh, interesting artwork <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Absolutely. so um, the next question I have for you is is more about the gen- the world in general like we, we have a lot of references to other races in the Sylvan Elf Army book we've talked about a little bit about the other elves but obviously we have a big a big Kingdom of Equitain kind of influence into the story because that's where that's kind of the narrative that's followed um we have a lot of references um, to the Kingdom of Equitaine, like the Arthurian legend. So we have a, a, I think it's like the Sword of Uther is mentioned, and also Percival, which is obviously one of the old Arthurian legends. I mean, is are the Kingdom of Equitain storyline, is that influenced by Arthurian legend or where I mean similar to kind of fifth edition games workshop where they changed it to a bit darker towards the end. I mean how, how is the Kingdom of Ecotain influenced by these traditional knightly values and things like that? Just just divulging from Sylvan Elves a little <laughs> bit for the for other listeners. Just maybe you could talk about how the the fluff of the Kingdom of Ecotain is going to be, like the angle that you're taking on it.
1: Yeah, so um, Arthurian Legend, I mean, th- those names aren't directly um, copied or applied uh, like for like, but they are inspirations to... Um, that are derived from the Arthurian legends and um, those kind of myths, so they will definitely play an important part in how we set up the Kingdom of um, The scope of, in terms of darkness, I mean, this is something that the players themselves are split on, in terms of whether it's something that they want to see or whether it's something that um, they think should be peripheral. Um, what I think we need to make sure is that we cover... The possibility for people to play those types of um, forces Uh, so there will definitely be an angle of darkness to the kingdom of Ectane. and i don't think i think that's true of every one of our uh, factions we don't want to create um, pure and good uh, factions that don't have any interesting dark side to them and we don't necessarily want to create pure evil factions who do everything for Exactly. Malevolent reasons yeah. and don't have any logic to what they do. So um, I think there will, there will be a degree of balancing for all of them, but uh, definitely Arthurian legends will play a significant part in the, in the Equitain background.
0: Okay, we heard about a character called uh, Henri Lionhelm or Henry Lionhelm. Like, is that is that like a main character in the game? And will it, will it be a main character in the game, or is that just a just a passing reference to a character?
1: It's a passing reference to a character who will have played his part in the history of Equity. Okay. Uh, but the events of the events of the book are uh, somewhat in the past as opposed to the current day, so um, there is some some time for Equity and to move on from that.
0: Okay. Um, I think uh, one thing that I really liked about the previous fluff, I, I'm actually a history student um, in the past. I don't use it at the moment, but I have been, and kind of the parallels that I could draw from from the our history on Earth, <laughs> as opposed to whatever world we're we're uh, recreating. Um, the parallels that I could draw from history were what I found most fascinating, actually, about the fluff. And this reference to Henry Lionhelm, um I was wondering if if we're gon- if we're going to see the same thing in the ninth age, whether you're going to draw from from. History, historical events that we know, and put them into the ninth age, and in, in the same way as we're kind of used to seeing. Yeah. So, um, to be honest, I think
1: um, as a history student, you might be uh, more into uh, our fluff than <laughs> most people. We actually yeah. have a couple of um, a couple of people with historical um, or archaeological qualifications who are part of the team, um, and it will be a definite part of the development of the Ninth Age Fluff not necessarily individual events or individual characters but the the themes and the cultures of historical uh, societies will form part of how we structure the Ninth Age world. We don't, we don't want it to feel like it's a completely new world that people have to learn from scratch we want it to feel familiar but have an original take on, um, on the world so uh, potentially where Games Workshop um, have moved away from being more uh, closely tied to real world events and real world history, we're quite happy to go um, slightly more in the opposite direction and take our inspirations and, and we're not trying to hide our inspirations and our um, ties into real world history and events and hopefully that will help to create something that feels uh, that like it has a depth to it.
0: Okay. That's really interesting as well. Um, so now I have some general questions for you. Just um, kind of we've we've talked a lot about Sylvan Elves and we've t- a little bit about Equitaine. So um, I'm just going to give you a quote now, and I'd like you to make a comment on it. So one quote that I I read in the book was, uh, from the frozen Targia of Oskland through the dry shrublands of Arcalia, to the steaming jungles of Tafria. There's there's three places here. The the frozen targiv of Oskland, the shrublands of Arcalia and the jungles of Tafria. Could you maybe put some flesh onto the bones of these places for us? Just maybe the jungles of Tafria sounds very Saurian. Maybe you could just uh comment on these places a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean these, so these are actually these are three places where human um, human societies live out with two kingdoms that we've discussed before. Um, Tafria is actually on the wrong side of the, uh, the ocean for uh, Saurians, at least for their, their heartland. Um, it's more of our um, archetype for Africa. Okay. Um, Arcalia will definitely feature more in the fluff as it develops. Um, it's sort of southern Europe, um, that that sort of area, and Osland uh, will again will feature more in certain some books that are upcoming, um, being more of the sort of Russia, Eastern Europe type area. So
0: okay, um, something that I think maybe you just let slip was that the Saurian ancient heartland is across the sea. <laughs> <laughs> is that uh, is that something like uh, South America maybe
1: or? Once you see the map, it will be uh, very clear okay. where,
0: where people tend to. I was to just trying it. to get a spoiler out of you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, we've. I'm just kind of looking through the questions that I've written down. I think we've actually covered a lot of them. Um, one of one of the things that I thought was maybe a little bit interesting was that I don't know if this is actually going to be in the real one because the the book that you sent me was obviously not a fully complete version, but it had all the information in it. Um. the the header of each page says tales of the fae tome one what's tome number two gonna be <laughs>
1: um, tome two will involve uh, Thomas our, our narrator uh, journeying to other places and uh, okay. encountering other, uh, other parts of the Elton races.
0: Ah I see so maybe we're gonna see the same narrator for the other two Elven books.
1: That's definitely
0: possible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> cool. Um, which book is next?
1: Uh, so, the next book after the Silver Elf book will actually be the main rule book, um, which we're already working on and we're hoping to have finished as soon as possible. Um, but that's, that's a fairly sizable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Book. Um, we're trying to provide sort of fluff and background for as much of that as possible Um, and once we finish that we'll be moving on there's still a little bit of discussion going on but one of the potential next books will be warriors of the dark gods um, because uh, chaos and the role of the dark gods in our world is quite a big part that has still yet to to be communicated to the players um, and not just the not just chaos players but a lot of other players will want to know how we're going to handle that so I think it's important that we do that relatively soon.
0: Okay and could you maybe give us a general date like for the rule book or for the next um, army book just I mean you don't have to be very specific just a ballpark.
1: Um, well I'm hoping that the basic rule book will be done by mid to end summer um, and then by autumn hopefully we'll have another book that can be released.
0: Okay fantastic so Hopefully, before Christmas, we're going to see a rule book and maybe one army book.
1: Yeah, I would say before Christmas, definitely.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Okay, uh, the final question I have for you. um, Do you have a favorite part of this new book, or do you have a favorite part of the fluff, or something that you really, really, really like and that you'd like to tell us about?
1: (laughs) Apart, it's really difficult for me to just maybe
0: uh, even a piece of art or a poem or just any, anything that springs to mind is something that you really, really, you're really, you really passionate about, you think oh this is amazing
1: I mean, I, I would have to say and it's, it's, a, it's a shame that it can't be one that um, we can see but the very last piece of art in the entire Sylvan Elf book which um, you already know which, which yeah. that will be. This, this was actually um, one
0: that I wanted to show but I wasn't allowed to. I know, I know. <laughs> but I, feel
1: like, uh, I feel like it would be such a big spoiler to show that here. Um, but that was a, part, a piece of artwork which started out as a small thumbnail uh, illustration uh, and then once I and the other members of the team saw that piece of artwork, we decided that it was too good not to give it a full page. Um, and I think it's I think it sort of summarizes so much of the mystery and the um, fascination around the Sylvan Elves for me um, that I'm really looking forward to seeing how players respond to that. Um, and other, other than that, as a specific piece of artwork, I think uh, being part of the Silvan Elf book, helping to, to draw it together um, and sort of showing how we intend to go about things in the Ninth age generally, has been a really enjoyable exercise, and I'm hopeful that people will enjoy experiencing their faction um, and, and experiencing the themes that go with their faction.
0: Fantastic. Uh, yeah, so I think that, that's, that's about wrapped it up. We've almost talked for an hour now. <laughs> so, uh, thank you very much, Edward, for your time. Um, is there anything you'd like to finish with, or say hello Hi. to the community? I think we've... Definitely,
1: definitely hello to the community. Uh, please be kind. Uh, <laughs> please go and download the Sylvan Elf book and give us your thoughts. I look forward to hearing from
0: you. Yeah, I think just one thing from me, um, it's obviously completely open, and if you if you have comments, both positive and negative, I'm sure the background and art team would be more than happy to hear them and take them on board. This is obviously like an organic process, and it's, it's going gonna to take a long time to accomplish, and any feedback Positive or negative is always really really important. And I'm sure you're happy to get it. Um, is, there, is there a place that people can can kind of contact the background art team directly, or if they have ideas or, or anything?
1: Um, well, generally speaking, if they put it up on the there is a fluff and background uh, forum, uh, and if people are putting up ideas and discussions, we tend to look at that on a regular basis. If they have specific comments, I would suggest that the Army Support or ABCs could potentially put up a thread. Um, We won't necessarily be able to read every single um, post, but it would be really good if uh, we had some feedback that was sort of, um, you know, collated, and then we can get an idea of what people like and what we can work on in future.
0: Fantastic. Okay, so I think uh, you guys have had a lot of uh, background talk from us today, so I think we're going to call it a day there. So, uh, again, thank you very much, Edward, for coming on and telling us about um, the Silver Elves. And hopefully we can hear from you again sometime soon, maybe when the new book comes out. Yep, that would be good. Okay, thanks guys for listening and hope you've enjoyed the show. Have a nice weekend and enjoy the book when it comes out.